DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Muldoon, who is a theologian and author and editor of several books on Ignatian spirituality, marriage, and family. He's the co-author with his wife, Sue, of Six Sacred Rules for Families and participated in the video production of Joined by Grace, the new marriage preparation program from Ave Maria Press. A professor for many years, Tim has taught at Mount Aloysius College and Boston College and lectures and speaks frequently at colleges, universities, schools, parishes, dioceses, and retreat centers in the United States, Canada, and Europe. With Tim Muldoon, we go inside the pages of The Discerning Parent, an Ignatian Guide to Raising Your Teen, published by Ave Maria Press. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. I am delighted to be with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I love The Discerning Parent, an Ignatian Guide to Raising Your Teen. I don't think I've ever seen a book for parents who have those teens in their lives right now that approaches it quite the way you do. There's a there's a wholeness to it that is not only for the team, but also for that parent. Yeah, and that's certainly what we were aiming for. And I should even say that it's something that came around in the process of writing. It, it started actually as a book that we were thinking about really more for young people. And as we went on, we realized, no, this is really more about what it means to be a parent and how to approach parenting a teen with with faith, with, with some um, you know careful sense of wanting what's good for your young person. So, uh, you know, it, it, it really was in the end an attempt to, you know, come at this uh, as parents who really just, uh, you know, were, were trying to make good decisions. So uh, I appreciate your, uh, your, your recognizing that. Well, it's not a how-to book. Not really. Because there, there are a lot no. of those out there. But what you're doing, I think, in a very real way is forming the parent to be a spiritual companion. Or maybe, as some some people may even feel the term, you're you're being your child's spiritual director, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of accurate. And and you know, in saying that, we should probably be careful about what we actually mean by that term. Mm-hmm. So so first, I just I appreciate that that observation. And and you know, confession, I don't tend to read um, you know how to parenting books, and and frankly, I don't think Sue does either. Um, you know, as a genre, the the real problem is well you know, who are you to tell us how to parent our kid, you know? <laughs> and then we really wanted to avoid that because we don't certainly claim that kind of expertise. What we do claim, though, is, you know, some knowledge, of, uh, particularly the Ignatian tradition, which is something I've, I've taught at Boston College for a number of years. And in my wife's case, um, you know, coming at it as a therapist, she, she does, you know, something about developmental theory. She knows something about, um, you know, uh, patterns of, of growth in young people. So, it struck us that there were things that we could certainly draw from, but at the end of the day, parenting is always unique to every child. And, you know, parents of multiple kids know that, that you mm-hmm. can't parent all of your children the same way. So, so we really didn't want to write a how-to guide and, and say, you know, oh, these are the tried and true methods that always work, because frankly, I don't think those exist. And, and the, the other point is that we're in the midst of it. We're, we're raising teens now, so ours are... Uh, 17, 15, and 13, and and so you know we're we're right in the midst of trying to figure this out as we go, and so the the 
the place that we went to in the book then was in, in thinking about, all right, how can we draw from our understanding and our professional life, but also our experience as parents, and say something about what it means to accompany a young person. And, and really, that's what it means to be a, a spiritual guide. So, so even the, the term spiritual director is one that's gotten a little bit of pushback even among spiritual directors, I think, in recent years, because it's, it's not about saying, do this, do that. It's very much about walking with a young person, or, or even an older person, but in our case, with a young person, to say, um, you know, how can you live more reflectively? What are the you know, questions that we can ask that encourage our teens to develop patterns of reflection, to develop patterns of prayer, and, and ultimately to develop patterns that lead to good decision making? So, so that's, I think, a very apt observation. I'm so glad that you brought out that distinction about the the quote-unquote spiritual director because I agree with you. I think it's a term that we have to really look at our words. And director does mean you tell them what to do as opposed to that need to be able to listen deeply and to kind of what is God doing in there. Now, the Christian parent has brought that child, I hopefully, ideally, into to the divine life by bringing them into the church to receive baptism. And there the church charges that parent to walk with them and to guide them. And it's, it's more important to listen to what God's doing in that heart instead of telling them what they should be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, and of course, there's absolutely a developmental side to this too. And, and again, parents know this, that of course you're telling your children what to do when they're young. You know, you're, you're, you're saying, eat this, don't eat that, do this, don't do that. And that's very appropriate for, you know, children of a certain age. But, you know, as they enter into their teen years, number one, it would be a disservice to them to keep doing that. Uh, and, and number two, and, and this is really the more important point that, that you're, I think, underscoring, you know, at the end of the day, they are the ones that will have a relationship with God or not. And so, you know, you, you can't steer that. You can't oversteer that. Uh, it is an act of faith to effectively say to God, uh, you know, this is, this is your child. You know, you created this human being, and, you know, we believe that you want to reach out to this person in love and draw them into friendship. So, you know, at some point we kind of have to get out of the way and allow that to happen. And, and as I say that, I'm mindful of a text that comes from really the book that, that very much is behind uh, our book, namely the Spiritual Exercises of, of St. Ignatius. You know, that was the, the, the real framework that, uh, you know, is behind what we were writing about. And in the Spiritual Exercises, uh, Ignatius writes this very interesting annotation right at the beginning. He says effectively, you got to get out of the way. He says to those giving the exercises, you've got to let uh, the creator deal with the creature directly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there, there can't be an intermediary. So, uh, so we really are you know, trying to walk that very fine line between, on the one hand, you know, showing them what they need to know and kind of moving them in the directions that are going to lead to good choices. And on the other hand, getting out of the way so that they really can develop in freedom a desire to know and love God more deeply. Tim, I think one of the the great fears for many parents who do feel they have, uh, at, at the very least, some type of faith life, okay, they're trying to instill that for their kids, is this great fear that somehow they're going to leave 
the faith or they're going to leave the church. And yes. that fear that's inside of the parent is something that has to be dealt with. And I think that's something that you, in a, such a beautiful way, this is why this book is like no other I've ever seen, is that you help that parent, okay, you got to start with yourself first. So you can listen because how much of it is a projection of your wants, your desires, your fears, as opposed to what's going on in the heart of that kid? That's a really, really good observation, Chris. I, I think you're you know, very much you know, kind of tuning into what we were thinking about. Here's the backdrop. One of, one of the first books that I've uh, written, uh, it's called Seeds of Hope, and the subtitle is Young Adults in the Catholic Church in the United States. This book came out in, I believe it was 2008, and, and this, was a, this was more of an academic thing. I, I did this you know, when I was uh, still teaching theology, and uh, what, I, what really you know, struck me then and continues to strike me now, even, I've, you know, even more recently, I've, I've taught uh, courses on evangelization and emerging adulthood, uh, the statistics are pretty scary. And, and I've listened to a lot of parents and even grandparents who are just distraught, you know, reflecting, you know, my kid's not going to church or, you know, they're young adults and, and they're not raising their, their own kids in, in the faith. And, you know, it, it's really wrenching for a lot of parents and grandparents, you know, that fear that you're talking about, they're going to leave the church or they're not going to have a relationship with God. That's very real, you know. I mean, and, and the most recent studies that have come out of the Pew Center uh, are, are not encouraging. I mean, there are young people leaving the church behind today. Now, where I come at this, and, and I'll just return to the fact that the book, the, you know, the older one I was talking about was called Seeds of Hope. You know, I, I don't want it to be a grim, you know, commentary that, you know, that's falling apart because it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. that there are seeds of hope. There are elements in young people's lives which really scream that, that you know, faith is not dead. It's changing. It's changing in pretty serious ways, and it is leading to you know, real repercussions in parishes and on college campuses and in dioceses, you know, I, and I don't want to ignore those, those, those facts. But um, faith is alive, and it's changing, and the church is, is going to have to change as a consequence, and that's another conversation. But the point that, uh, that you, you know, mentioned just a moment ago is certainly true. Um, we can't make our children into great Catholics. You know, we can't just you know, make them go to church. Again, at the end of the day, that's going to be a disservice to them and their you know, emerging adulthood. What we can do, though, is always love them the way that God loves us, and, 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 and here we even call to mind the example of St. Monica, who was the mother of St. Augustine. And, you know, she prayed for years and years and years for this wayward son of hers that just was going all over the place and, and trying all kinds of almost like cult-like activities and getting himself in, in trouble. And, 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 and she just was praying and praying and praying. And, you know, for us, that image of St. Monica, you know, just praying for her son is, is really, I think, a helpful reminder that, um, you know, th- there's a long story that God is writing with our kids. And so we don't have to know right now what that story is going to look like or that they're going to love going to church every week. And if they do, that's great. I mean, some do, and, you know, that's obviously a good thing. But if they don't, it's not the end of the story and to allow God some space to be working on that child's heart, even uh, through us as we are praying for our children. It goes back to a lot of what's going on in the heart of that parent. At some point, God is also asking you 
do you trust me? And sometimes I think if we're honest with ourselves as parents, having raised three myself, that you are listening to the world, you listen to your own, you know, what's going on inside of you, and then you you look at your kids and, you, well, I know best, and you need to be doing this, 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 this. Instead right. of guiding them, what is God doing here? And it, it may cause us to struggle, too. Yeah, yeah, and and I think we would be fooling ourselves as parents if we think that our children's experience of faith or of the church isn't going to change our faith. You know, it needs to. It really needs to. And and we have to allow that God is going to surprise us, maybe even through our children, in you know the way that they challenge us. Uh, I'll just give you an example. This this was just uh, coming up uh, over the past week. My um, uh, one one of my kids was coming home and, and talking about a uh, film. Uh, that they had watched uh, in school. And, of course, you know, a lot of times this comes through school. It just, you know, things surprise us. Mm-hmm. It was about um, the, the, the food industry, all right? So just, you know, writ large, the food industry. Anyway, and, and you know, her immediate takeaways was, you know, well, I'm going to change all of these things. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat that. Or, you know, we shouldn't be buying this or we shouldn't be buying that. Buying that. And, you know, here's, here's the way I thought about it. First of all, there was part of me that responded um, the way, in fact, uh, my mother-in-law did, who lives with us, uh, and, and, you know, it was kind of like, oh, give me a break. You know, she wanted to push back and, and say, you know, that's going over the top, and, you know, mm-hmm. you can't believe everything you see, and this kind of thing. And there was a part of me that responded that way. But the other part of me, uh, which very much came out as a consequence of writing this book, said to myself, you know what, there's something very good about an awakening of moral conscience. Now, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be well-directed, you know, mm-hmm. and so we're going to have more conversations in the you know, coming weeks about you know, food and food industry and all this sort of thing. But you know, I was really happy that you know, this young person was expressing a kind of moral sense, wait a minute, you know, we're, we're behaving badly as a society in regard to you know, this particular issue. And, and I want to really harness that. I really want to you know, give some space for that to grow because, you know what, if there's a moral challenge, then, then that needs to challenge me too. You know? it, it, that needs to be a, a source for me to ask, okay, well, what does this mean for you know, the way that you know, we go grocery shopping and, and make food as a family? You know, the, that's a, those are healthy questions to ask. And, and those kinds of challenges are ones that we can welcome God does, you know, sort of prod us by raising these questions in, in our kids. And just so that anyone out there thinks we're advocating in any way, this, uh, you know, a laissez-faire type of commune-esque type of uh, atmosphere <laughs> in your home, what you are bringing forward and helping the parent and then in turn modeling for the kids is this engagement with one of the soundest teachings in the church today, and that's the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. It's hard to go wrong with that pride and true encounter that he guides us in. Yeah, and, and, you know, the backdrop here is that I've, as I mentioned, taught Ignatian spirituality for many, many years, uh, primarily at Boston College, and I still, in fact, have a class that I I teach on that subject. So, uh, in fact, this is if I if I count up, you know, the other ways I've gotten at it, this is really uh, my fourth book on the topic of Ignatian spirituality. And so it's something that I've, you know, kind of lived and breathed for, for a long time. 
And this is the first one that I know of anyway that has really tried to apply it so directly to raising teens. I, I should add, by the way, that, that our previous book with Ave Maria Press um, is called Six Sacred Rules for Families. And that's a, you know, just a general application of Ignatian spirituality to family life. This one is a little bit more specific in that it's particularly about the question of discernment in, in a period of our children's lives that is so critical. But you're absolutely right that, that uh, you know, Ignatius himself was very interested in the ways that God moves us and moves our hearts and moves our desires to embrace great challenges for the kingdom. I mean, I, that's how I would describe the spiritual exercises. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a program for um, kind of honing uh, our ability to listen to God and, and to uh, respond to the challenges that God places before us in, in building the kingdom. So, you know, it, it just struck us both, Sue and me, at, at one point, that as we're raising our kids, this is what we want to help them to become attuned to, was listening to God and, and orienting their lives around how to do what God asks them to do, you know, deep in their hearts, listening to their desires, uh, and of course bringing them into conversation with God in prayer. So, um, so you're right. I mean, this, this is not us going out on a limb and coming up with, you know, some crazy new ideas. Uh, and again, you know, mm-hmm. parenting guides can sometimes come across that way. I mean, this is really falling back on one of the great spiritual traditions of the church. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, 
the higher our profile and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. In that spiritual journey, ideally, Christ draws us all towards him. And that's precisely what you're advocating. It's not just for the teen. I'm going to say it again. It's not just for the teen, but it's also for the parent, the spiritual growth, because you will learn something. If, if you're listening to Christ in your child and what's happening, that's Christ speaking to you. Yes. So what is he saying to you? Yeah, that's right. What you and your wife, Sue, Tim, have done in The Discerning Parent, an Ignatian Guide to Raising Your Teen, is you're shifting the paradigm from making decisions to discerning. You know, sometimes we think of discerning as, well, I have to discern a vocation. And yes, you do. Those are big things. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. want your teens to listen to discern, should I go to that movie theater with the friends? Why don't I feel like I should be doing it? What are the forces that are compelling me to go on this jump in that car that evening? Or should I listen to something that's disquieting and maybe say no? Yeah, the image that, that I tend to return to, it's one that we make reference to in the book, uh, and it's written by, in fact, another couple, um, uh, Wilkie Au and Noreen Cannon Au wrote this uh, very interesting book, and they talk about the acoustics of the heart. And I just love that phrase. They, they talk about refining the acoustics of the heart. So the image is, is it's obviously, it's a metaphor, it's a musical metaphor um, that uh, it, it's kind of like, you know, teaching your kid music that if they develop a musical sense, they are able to pretty quickly then figure out when, you know, the chord sounds wrong or when there's a note that's kind of out of place. It's just, you know, there's, there's discord there. It's just, it's out of tune. And, and that's what discernment is like, is that if you're teaching the habits of decision-making, and the habits of, you know, just even, you know, things like going to Mass, you know, at some point down the road, there's going to be the point where they'll just say, that just doesn't feel right. And, and you know, the that could be anything. It could be a relationship. It could be a, you know, do I do this thing that my friends are doing? Um, even up to the point of, as you point out, vocational discernment in the traditional sense, you know, mm-hmm. does God want me to become a priest? Does God want me to enter a religious order? Those kinds of questions. If, if I have a, a heart that is attuned to God, then I, I'm going to know what harmony sounds like. I'm going to know what a discordant note sounds like in my life. And that's really the fruit that we're hoping you know, unfolds uh, you know, over time, even if right now they, they don't know exactly what that might look like. See, I think that's so key because what you and your wife have done in this book is that I go back to baptism. The thing is, the parents, first, your child is God's child. He belongs to God. more than, And he doesn't belong to us. He, we're given charge of them. Right. They, they come into this world. And then at baptism, we're supposed to, very specifically in the liturgy, so you're supposed to raise them in the faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is relationship. And so you're modeling in that spiritual companionship. You're helping them to do that listening, to foster that and so a very example if you don't mind me bringing this up tim my uh, husband was the program director at a rock radio station for many 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 years decades 
And we would go to parishes, and and parents inevitably wanted a list of all the songs their kids should stay away from. You know, what are the songs, what are the groups? That's what they came for, because they wanted a list to say, you can't bring that into the house. But instead, my husband, in his wisdom, in a a really wonderful way, would say to them, I'm not going to give you a list. What you have to do is listen to the music that your kids are playing, and then ask them why they're listening to it. You know, and maybe they just like the beat. Maybe there's a way of challenging them, but you yourself have to model that engagement, that relationship, don't you? That's that's exactly it. I mean, this is, you know, to your question earlier about, you know, is it a laissez-faire approach to parenting? I mean, quite the opposite. It's deeply engaged. You're walking with your children at every step. And and not, by the way, you know, the other extreme being, you know, helicopter parenting, where you're always hovering above everything they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean, it's, this is one of the great challenges of parenting in general. You know, right even before we get to questions about spirituality, you know, one of the great challenges is always going to be, you know, how much is too much and how much is too little, you know. So you're trying to find that balance. But in, in this case, you know, you're really just uh, trying to walk with them. And this is why the model of spiritual direction is, I think, a helpful one. The spiritual director is somebody that is going through a spiritual journey with another person. You know, so the better term might even be spiritual companion. Um, you know, at, at no point is, is you know, the, the, the person doing it on his or her own. So, you know, our kids, it's not at any point that we're just like, you know, see ya, you know, you're on your own here. Um, now, obviously, we want to suggest appropriate challenges and, you know, the basic things. I mean, just yesterday I was telling my son, for example, you know, hey, go down and you be the one to pick up the pizza. You know, you, mm-hmm. you go to the store. I'll give you money. You go. You know, you're old enough. You can do this. So, you know, we're, we're not trying to hover. Uh, we're trying to give them freedom. But we're also saying, I am with you always. I am, you know, with you on this journey of, of your young adulthood. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, share with you things that I have learned along my own pilgrimage toward God, and that's the great image that we use in our earlier book. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is you who, who must find uh, where it is that God is leading you. Um, and at some point, you know, you will be moving on your own in that direction. I'm never going to leave you. You know, I'm your, I'm your parent, so I'm not going to leave you. I mean, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be with you on this um, you know, but uh, also recognizing, again, that God is dealing with them in freedom and, you know, giving them the space to discern that. Just to be able to say, how in the heck do I talk to my kids at this age about their body, about, and quite frankly, sex, alcohol, drugs, uh, social media? How do I, see, that's where they want the how-to. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. I mean, we we really resisted from the get-go. We resisted, you know, that there would be these short, easy answers because, my goodness, I mean, again, children are different. You just can't assume that one size fits all. I mean, that's why I was very struck by this. Don't Mm -hmm. let them listen to this song or that song. Um, Yeah, I mean, same kind of idea here. Uh, It's just, I just don't think that that works. I mean, or or best case scenario, maybe it works for some, but it's just not going to work for everybody. So, um, so yeah, in this chapter uh, that we title "The Gift of the Body," um, you know, we are we are certainly trying to just you know underscore this is a big deal. You know, when you're dealing with with teens, and of course every parent gets this. You know, mm-hmm. that that body's changing. You know, that just that means that um, the way that they understand themselves changes, the way they re- relate to other people changes. 
obviously the way the way they relate to boys or girls depending on their sex you know that changes um, you know so we're we're pointing to you know some research just in our own Catholic tradition that that you know help us to uh, underscore the importance of this question um, you know but the other thing that we're trying to do though is, is just raise the questions for parents you know uh, to to really come to a more discerning uh, place themselves uh, you know what are the specific and unique challenges to my kid you know so I mean just one example um, you know we ask them in the chapter to reflect on just what did the teen your kid look like a year ago and what's changed you know what's different today compared to a year ago you know just to stop and take a little bit of a long look and to consider what are the particular challenges that, that, that my young person uh, is, is facing. So things like that, you know, we're really trying to give people an entree to be discerning in the concrete circumstances of their own lives. And I do love the fact that in the book, The Discerning Parent, an Ignatian Guide to Raising Your Teen, that if you're going to base anything on St. Ignatius or the exercises or his teachings, you got to have exercises. You got to have those pauses where you know you ask yourself several questions and then you sit back and receive. And you place those in every single chapter at just the perfect spot, Tim. Mm. Mm. Thank you. And I should say, by the way, that uh, I give a lot of credit to uh, Ave Maria Press. Uh, you know, they really urged us to do that to make it, you know, very hands-on and something that can be a source of conversation between moms and dads. Um, you know, it just, you can't, I, I say this to my students every year, you can't do Ignatian spirituality by just talking about it, you know, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's work. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, not, not work, that's the wrong term, it, but, it's, but it's effort, that's the better term, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's effort, it's, it's coming to, uh, you know, meaningful practices of conversation with God, reflection, um, and again, in the concrete circumstances, you know, so one of the other suggestions that we make, for example, is, to uh, you know, watch a show or something that, that your teen enjoys watching, to watch it together. You know, because mm -hmm. immediately their perspective on it changes because they start to see it through your eyes. You know? So things like that. Um, you know, and, and it opens, of course, conversation then that you know, hopefully can be enlightening to you know, both you and your teen. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's certainly, uh, you know, that was one of our aims create those moments of, you know, kind of takeaway or aha things that would, uh, you know, lead to the right kinds of conversations. Yeah, you know, we went through that with one of our daughters who was very much in her teen years into anime, and I just didn't understand mm. anime at all. Right. So I sat yeah. down and watched it with her and, you know, a couple of the programs, and though she felt was a little awkward at, at times, I began to understand where she was coming from with this. And then we started, you know, I introduced her to some movies like The Seven Samurai and, a, and some different things culturally, and it opened up a whole new dialogue for us. I bet that was great. Yeah, and it's kind of surprised me. Now, is it all great? No, no. but then she sees that too. <laughs> and I'm sure that for you, there was a little bit of an overcoming, you know, the aesthetic, eh, I don't particularly like the way this looks or something like that. Exactly. But, uh... Yeah, yeah. But oh, it, that, but it opened up that understanding of, you know, why is this, what is it that's so attractive about it? But anyway, I, Tim, I, the book, The Discerning Parent, I hope people have understood that I, I couldn't endorse this more highly. And also uh, someone who our audience is very familiar with, Father Timothy Gallagher, I, can we say gave it at least two 
thumbs up. That's all he's got. But he, he gave it his all. <laughs> he's a friend. Yeah, uh, we've we've both uh, written yeah. uh, together, and in fact, uh, he blurbed this book, and I blurbed his latest book. So uh, we're on the same page. Yeah, it's just absolutely outstanding. I wish we had more time, but any final thoughts? Well, I guess I would just express it as a a hope uh, that uh, you know this is this is a, in, in some sense a great moment to be a parent because. Um, you know, we've in our in just even our own history of our church. Um, this is a moment when we have greater understanding of these great spiritual traditions. These are not just for people in seminary anymore. I mean, you know, these, this is an opportunity to really deepen our own faith and and parenthood. My God, what a what a wonderful opportunity to um, you know just be in uh, the, the the field where the Lord calls us to gather harvest. Um, it's it's a wonderful opportunity for our own spiritual growth, let alone seeing the the growth of our of our teens. So I just certainly hope that that uh, you know if, if if our book is able to help people to do that reflectively, then we will have accomplished our task. Hats off to you and your wife Sue, and I. Your kids are very blessed to have parents that listen so deeply to their hearts. I'll I'll, I'll write that down and tell them. To keep <laughs> their call. Do that, we yeah. Okay, Tim. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. With Tim Muldoon, we've gone inside the pages of The Discerning Parent, an Ignatian Guide to Raising Your Teen. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to AveMariaPress.com. The website, or its publisher, Ave Maria Press. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, Insights from Today's Most Compelling Authors.